In the 1990s, it was so easy to start my business. I completed the paperwork from my county department and I had it notarized before submitting it for approval. The notary I used charged me $10 while the county registration was free. Then I filled out the paperwork the state needed and I mailed that in with a $35 check. That was it. I was officially in business, <laughs> but there were other applications and approvals too that we'll talk about today. The big difference now is that the internet plays a huge part in your research and it easily answers questions that keep you in business legally. Well, I know you're ready, so let's get started. Welcome to Gift Basket Business, where we discuss the ideas, triumphs, and challenges aspiring entrepreneurs and seasoned designers face in the gift basket world. I'm your host, Shirley George Frazier, author of How to Start a Home-Based Gift Basket Business and Chief Basketologist at giftbasketbusiness.com. I asked members of the Gift Basket Business Facebook group about topics they want to hear, and one submission asked me to reveal the startup process licensing, taxes, services, operating from home. That's all within this scope. And today we'll discuss the ultimate paperwork guide to start your business. And there's a decent amount of information to cover. In addition, I'll provide designers outside of the United States with, with as much guidance as possible. And we won't overlook advanced opportunities for designers in business for five years or more. As a seasoned creator, you have your paperwork in order. Now you're searching for other places available to you for promotion and sales. So get ready for that. So in this startup process, there is a lot that's going to be similar, but not exact. Every state in the United States, every country has their way of helping you to get your business up and running. So while I'm giving you a good foundation, don't take everything uh, with a grain of stall. There's going to be little buffs, little changes that you will see that is necessary as you move forward with your business. But the startup process really does begin with business registration. When you're ready to start making gift baskets as a recognized business within the state or the country where you reside, you must apply for and receive approval from your county clerk. If it's not your county clerk, it's going to be some other entity within your area. In my area, they're called the county clerk. It's going to be some other name or something similar in your area. So you start off with your county registration. Then if you're in the United States, it's going to be your state registration. There's going to be some state entity that wants to know who you are, what you're creating, they're going to want money. They all want money. <laughs> if you're starting a business, everybody's got their hand in your pocket when you start. If you're in Canada or some other place where you have a province, you're going to, you may have to register there. And outside, uh, at, in Ireland, Belgium, other outside companies, uh, I'm sorry, countries outside of the United States, there may be a country registration. As I mentioned, there's going to be some money exchanged from your pocket to theirs. Sometimes it's a one-time fee. Other times it's paid yearly. I happen to have happen to pay 
a one-time fee, but in your area, it may be a yearly fee. So you're going to watch out for that. Now, every state and every country has details about starting a business on their official website regarding the procedure to start and maintain a business wherever you're located. So look for the official website. There are going to be some websites that look like they're official, but really look at the URL of the website that you're going to to make sure that you are in the official place where your state or country provides information. Now, the state or the country where you reside is going to inform you on their website how and when to collect and remit sales tax. So now we're moving on to sales tax. You have to register your business as a bona fide business first. And then when you go to that state or country website, you're going to find out about sales taxes. In the United States, when you are in, say, California, and a person in California orders a gift or a gift basket from you, you are going to collect sales tax. If you're in California and a person from Arizona orders from you, you will probably not collect sales tax. Sales tax collection is usually only for customers in your state or country who buy from you, not for out of area customers. And then the sales tax is collected by you, whatever the percentage is, according to the amount that you the amount of the gift that you create. So if it's a $50 gift, it might be 7% of $50. You'll know from the information that you find out from your state or country. And you will also find out how the sales tax is remitted, which means that you are going to give the sales tax back to the state at a certain amount of time. Where I'm located, sales tax has to be given to the state every three months. So from whatever sales tax I collect from January to March is submitted by April 20th. Anything I collect from April to June has to be collected by July 20th. That's my process. Yours may be different. So that's why you go to the official website for your state or country to find out about sales tax collection and remittance. In some states in the United States, there may not be a sales tax. So you don't have to deal with that, but you do have to find out. Let's move on to mail delivery. Now to receive your mail, will you use your home address or your post office box address. Will you have a post office box? The decision depends on any safety issues of concern where you want your mail to be delivered. Now, this is up to you. You need to decide if you will have your business mail delivered at your home address if you are a home-based business or if it's at a post office box. If you're in a retail store or a commercial area, then you're going to have your mail delivered again where you want it delivered. And you will also perhaps have that address on a business card. You don't have to have it on the business card if you don't want to, but you have to consider what address you're going to put on a business card. If you're giving cards out to your customers, you don't really have to have an address. But when you're working with trade, sh when you're going to a trade show and you are working with wholesalers, you, it, it's appropriate to give them a business card with the address that where they're going to deliver the supplies. So you're not going to give them a post office box business card. 
for the address with the post office box, you're going to have a business card with your uh, address where the goods will be delivered. Now, certainly you don't have to have, again, you don't have to have any address on a business card, but it is professional to have a, an address on your business card, whether it's for your customer or for a supplier. And business cards don't cost a lot of money, which is a really good thing. Those little mini billboards are great to distribute, and they get your name out in the way you want it distributed. A business bank account is the next area. To set up your business bank account, you do need your state registration papers. If you're outside of the United States, you're going to need certain paperwork as well. But you want to be sure that you have all of your documents by speaking with the manager of the branch where your account will be opened. That branch manager or that representative is going to give you all the details on what you need to bring to open up that business bank account. With me, I remember it was my state registration papers, and I don't think it was anything else, but it's been a long time. So you're going to find out from the manager or representative, what you need. And you can ask them in person if you want or call by phone to find out what documents you need to bring in. The next area is a resale license. A resale license is a piece of paper. It's a document that you will show to wholesalers, suppliers, and retailers to, uh, to prove that you do not have to pay tax for the items that you are buying from them because you are going to resell those items. A resale license is going to be usually be a document that you get from your state or your country. It is an automatic item that they send you by mail after you have registered as a business so that you in your business application, you are going to, there's usually an area where you uh, document if you are the kind of company that is going to be reselling products. And you'll see it on the documents. You'll also find out from your state or country's official website how a resale license is generated so that you know that it's coming or you know that there's something else you have to fill out but a resale license is what you're going to need. And it's just a piece of paper. Sometimes it's eight and a half by 11. Sometimes it's a small card that looks like a punch card. And that's something that you will make copies of to give to whomever needs to have it so that they know that you will not be charged tax for the items that you purchase. In the United States, you may want to apply for an employer identification number. It's known as an EIN number, as the acronym. The EIN number is also known as a federal tax number. Now you get and use this number as an overall identification when you purchase products and supplies tax-free. In other words, for resale. And you'll need the EIN number for other reasons other than what I'm addressing right now. You'll find out why you need the EIN number. Now this is called an employer identification number, but don't be fooled. You do not have to have employees to get this number. What the number does for me is allow me to represent my company 
with a certain identification provided to me by the Internal Revenue Service, and that's who generates the EIN number. And that number is one that you will give to wholesalers, suppliers, and others instead of giving your social security number. You don't want everybody to have your social all over the place. The EIN number will be your identification instead of the social. It is very easy to apply for an EIN number online on the Internal Revenue Services website. You apply directly online and when approved, you get your number right away. Now my number starts with 20, but your number may not start with a 20. It's a nine digit number and it starts with 13 dash whatever, 20 dash whatever. But whatever the number is, you'll be able to provide every supplier with that number instead of the distribution of something that needs to stay private. Let's move on to the SIC code. Yes, another acronym. SIC code is a standard industrial classification number. You don't need it, but it's important to know what industry your business classification is under. Just for your general knowledge, it's important to know what your SIC code is. You never know why you might need it. Now for the industry that we're in, the SIC code is 5947. You can put this code with your EIN number in a notepad, in your phone, wherever you put your business documents, just so you know that number. And again, I'm not sure why you will need it, but it's very important for you to know what industry your business is classified under in case you're asked, in case you're asked to write it down or speak it in person to someone. 5947 is the classification code for gift, novelty, and souvenir shops. So it's not something that you need to have, but it's something you want to have. And again, this is a number that is uh, called a standard industrial, standard industrial classification code. Now for gift baskets in general, the code is is even a little bit longer than 5947, but start with that number. And that will be just a general guide for you if you need that number for some reason. Now the next one you definitely need, and that is a CPA, another acronym. And most of us know that that is a certified public accountant. This is the person that who tells you the best business structure for your company. If you go online and you go to some website, uh, some discussion board, and you ask, well, should I be a sole proprietor or LLC or you know, limited liability company? No one knows that except a CPA. No one else can answer that except a CPA. They are the person who, after a discussion with them, can tell you if a sole proprietorship, limited liability company, corporation, or other structure is best for your business according to where you are located. And the CPA will also help you with setting up all of your financial records using whatever software package is going to be accommodating for you and the CPA. This is why a CPA is very important. You may think that a CPA is expensive. 
Think about the problems you will have without the CPA. Plus, a CPA is not expensive. Right now, I'm, I pay for my end-of-year taxes. I pay my CPA $325 to take that headache off of my shoulders. I don't want to submit, do all the financial information. I do use QuickBooks to keep my information intact, but then I send this, the QuickBooks information to my CPA and he takes care of everything. I can also ask him questions all throughout the year as part of that $325 amount. Now that might not be the same for your CPA, but that's the same for me. And I just want to share how much I pay him so that you have a general guide as to what you might be paying, but you'll have to find out. And there are CPAs that are available free of charge in some areas of the United States and the uh, outside countries. So look into local CPA associations in your area to find out how you can connect with one if you can't find one. My attorney helped me to locate my CPA through a referral that she provided for me. And that's the next area an attorney, which may be optional for you at this point, but I do highly encourage you to seek one in case you do need legal support in the future. And that legal support may be helping you with zoning laws in your area. Is your home the place where you're going to make gift baskets? If so, you have to find out from your city or your state, whomever, if the block where your home is located is zoned for business. If it is, fantastic. And you'll know if the zoning laws permit businesses on the block because there will be other businesses. Maybe there's a doctor or a dentist or some other kind of service. Maybe there is a a candy store at the corner. That will usually mean that your your area, your block is zoned for business. But if not, You either must find a retail or commercial location, or you can seek the assistance from an attorney who will apply for a zoning change through the local zoning department. Now, you don't want to go through applying for this change on your own. There are way too many legal issues. Neighbors who may not want to start a business, may not want you to start a business on the block because they think that you're going to increase the traffic. Yeah, meanwhile, the neighbor is ordering from Amazon every day and that truck is coming every day. But that's another, (laughs) that's for another time for us to talk about. There's a lot of reasons why you do not want to go to a zoning board to change the zoning on your block on your own. Now you can make gift baskets in your house without changing the zoning. That's up to you. And if a neighbor or someone else tells the zoning board or tells the city or wherever you are that you're making gift baskets and your, your area is not one where you ought to have a business, then you could get a letter from your city, state, or whomever, county, whomever, province, that you are in business in violation of the area. So you just want to really know what the zoning laws are in your area, on your block, so that you know how to proceed. Are you going to include wine and alcohol in your baskets? Hmm. If so, you're going to need a liquor license. Most, if not all, U.S. states will not approve a liquor license to a home-based business but you need to research this option. 
if wine and alcohol is what you want to offer. You want to find your state or country's alcohol, tobacco, and firearms website or department. And outside of the United States, it may not be ATF, another acronym, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. It may be them. It may not be. But you need to find that department that issues wine and alcohol liquor licenses so that you know what's involved in getting approved. Now, if you can't be approved, now you know. You need to understand if you can go through the process. If you can, then great. If you cannot, maybe you will pursue non-alcoholic beverages as part of your inventory. Some designers that I've worked with have received a liquor license and they pay $100 a year. Oh, but some pay $500 and the fees are even higher in major, major metropolitan areas of the United States. And you know where I'm talking about. I'm talking about New York and, you know, Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago. You're not paying $100 for a liquor license if you can get one. But you need to understand what the process is and if you have the ability to get a license and have it approved. Business insurance is often called crafter's insurance by in the insurance industry. It is paid yearly, just like a car or home insurance. And the business insurance covers fire, water damage, theft, property damage, property liability. Property liability is if someone cracks a tooth on a nut, taken out of your gift basket, you're going to be the first person the broken tooth person is going to call. Even if the product is packaged by the manufacturer, you're going to be the first one to be called. And you need business insurance to ensure that you are protected against any legal liabilities. But that, again, comes under talking with an attorney and certainly talking with the insurance agent that helps you set up this business insurance, which again is also called, or can be called crafter's insurance. It, again, I believe I said it's paid yearly and it is uh, an insurance that might be on its own, meaning a, a separate policy, or if you are home-based, it's a policy that might be called a rider to your home insurance policy. So you're a, a, an insurance agent will be able to help you set that up. And that is the ultimate paperwork guide to start your business. You are pursuing your county, state, or your country registration. You're deciding where your mail is going to be delivered. You need a business bank account. You need a resale license, probably given to you by your state or country. You need to remit sales tax and know how to do that an employer identification number, EIN number in the United States is, so is approved to you by the Internal Revenue Service. You will need a certified public accountant, CPA for financial expertise. An attorney is going to be required for legal help. You need to also research the zoning laws if you are making gift baskets at home. You might want a liquor license or you might not after you find out about it. There is also business insurance to research and apply for and get. And the last thing which you don't need to have but want to know is the 
SIC code, the Standard Industrial Classification Code for gift baskets in case you need to submit that to anyone. That is the main foundation that I'm familiar with. And as I mentioned at the beginning, your state or country may have additional paperwork that needs completion. And that's where the research on the official state or country website is encouraged. I know that this is going to help to streamline what you need to do to start your business and to keep it flowing smoothly. And we're going to just take a quick break and we're going to get right back to the veterans area, the seasoned designers, because I know that you have your paperwork all done and we're going to get right back with some tips for you. Welcome back to Gift Basket Business. Well, veterans, you have your paperwork all done and we're going to talk beyond the startup now and some areas that you might be looking at or considering for your business now that you have been in business for five years or more. Certification as a minority-owned business or women-owned business may be something that you want to apply for in the United States. This might be something that is available outside of the United States, but I know that certification being government contracts and bids to apply to provide gifts and gift basket services to government agencies is a possibility, at least in the United States. Now, I have, uh, in my early years, I had applied to be, to have this certification, and I did have it approved, but I didn't continue it after a year because after looking at a directory that was not online at the time because it was before the internet was around, there was a directory that I received that I could see if gifts and gift baskets were something that I would be part of a bidding process to provide to any kind of government agencies. And certification I found, and I still think, is mainly for people who are in construction or plumbing or some kind of service in that area and in other areas too. There is a directory that's online regarding certification and what is usually uh, items that are bid on. Um, the directory includes business names that are part of the bidding process, what state they're in in the United States, and what industry they're in. So you can find that directory to learn if your type of service falls under the bidding process. Now, again, I found this to not be true for me, but that might not be true for you. Perhaps such services that are needed to bid on are in your area. So don't take what I'm saying to be gospel. There might be some way for you to become certified as a minority or business-owned business, uh, I'm sorry, a minority-owned or women's-owned business that will be lucrative for you. Also, you're probably a part of your Chamber of Commerce, but I just want to mention them because Chamber of Commerce businesses will usually use the services of other Chamber of Commerce members. So look into being a part of your local or state Chamber of Commerce and see if there's a possibility for you to have uh, your gift baskets as part of the services provided by others who are part uh, who are members of the Chamber of Commerce. I hope I've made that clear. <laughs> Check out your Chamber of Commerce. That's what I'm saying. 
in the last uh, episode, I talked about the planning departments in cities and states. And the question here is, who is building in your town or area? Who's coming to the area? Who's bringing business to the area? Which companies are being wooed by the mayor and other political appointees in your area? When companies are considering coming to your town, coming to your area within a 30-mile radius, that area's mayor and the council people, they want to bring that business to the area. And gift baskets can be used to sweeten the deal. So be sure to go to your local planning department to find out what's being planned, who's coming, so that you can reach out to the mayor and other political appointees, as I mentioned, so that your gift baskets can be purchased by those uh, political people and others so that your gift baskets help to bring more business to the area. Consider also the local tourism division in your area. Tourism may be taking a pause right now during the health crisis, but officials in charge of tourism are working on promotions to get people to visit in the very near future. Now, this includes the hospitality services, conference centers. They're all looking to bring groups into your town and into your area. And your gift baskets, just like the planning department, your gift baskets can be part of those promotions. What you need to do, what I have done, is search online to find out who is in charge of tourism. In my area, there are six divisions of tourism. So I've worked with all, not worked with all six, but I've identified all six. And from there, you're going to devise a plan of action to contact them, whoever is in charge of tourism. You're going to contact them with information on how your gift baskets help to boost traffic and sales within the area. So keep that really top of mind. I've also talked in the past and really have written blog posts on your local television station and how the television stations are very open, especially two weeks before Valentine's Day, before Mother's Day, before Christmas and the other holidays. They're very open to showing gifts and baskets that are for those occasions. The person you want to speak with is the show's producer. Whatever show you're, you believe gift baskets would be, <clears throat> excuse me, gift baskets would be a good match to show to viewers. So you want to find out who the show's producer is in whatever way you find out, and then send that person what's called a one-sheeter. And that sheet is an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that identifies who you are, what you do, why what you have is of interest to the audience, and how to contact you. That's all the one-sheeter is who you are, what you do, why what you have is of interest to the audience, and how to contact you. And you want to send that information. You can usually send that information by email on this one sheet of paper that is just sent to them. Um, maybe you make something through Canva or some other kind of visual uh, product that you create. So that is what you, as the seasoned designer, have to look forward to in your business. You already have your paperwork together, but now you're looking possibly at certification. You're joining, possibly joining your chamber of commerce. Maybe you don't want to join and that's okay, but that's okay after you research them. You have your planning department in your area to find out who's coming to the area. 
your local tourism division may have opportunities for you to work with them to bring more tourism to the area. Your local television station is always looking for something beautiful and light, airy, something that is beautiful, uh, visual to look at, and that's your gift baskets. And certainly you're selling the gift baskets and the gifts. And after the television station, yes, okay. So we've gone through quite a bit, not only for you as the new designer or beginning designer, but also the seasoned designer. Well, that is it for this edition of Gift Basket Business. Thank you so much for joining me for the ultimate paperwork guide to start your business. And next session, we're going to discuss finding and buying from wholesalers, suppliers, and retailers. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Shirley George Frazier wishing you baskets of success.